to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. And as I pray every week, Heavenly Father, I pray that I would just fade out, God, and your word would go forth and be tailor-made for every person here. God, speak. We want to hear from you. We want to meet with you this morning. So come, have your way among us. We open ourselves now to your presence and your Holy Spirit to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. So um, we have a thing we say here at The Rock. We say, give God a year. We say, give God a year and see if he doesn't change your life forever. By the power of his word and the fellowship of these amazing people, a lot of people will come and say, it didn't even take a year. I know the mountains in the back say, it took us three months. And we were totally, maybe even sooner, one month, one month. But God will change your life. And sometimes people ask us here at The Rock, like, what can we do to jump in? And what can we do to serve? And Joel and I will just tell them, you just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. You just keep coming to the house of God. I heard there's a a large church out of Florida, and they have that slogan in their culture there. So they'll be giving announcements or talking about what's going on. And, pe- and they'll just have the congregation yell out, well, what do we do here at, you know, whatever the church is? And they, the whole congregation yells just like, keep showing up. It's just so important that you keep showing up, being planted in the house of God. It says, be planted and rooted and you will flourish in life. I heard this quote. Um, it says, successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. So consistently, I tell you what, you want your life transformed, keep showing up to the house of God. We can show up to so many things and forsake this time on Sunday mornings or find it irrelevant in the the grand scheme of life in 2019 and all the things that are going on. Keep showing up. Did you hear me? Keep showing up. Your life will begin to change. We sing that song. We go from glory to glory. We're in a kingdom that is always on the increase. You never saw. We follow Jesus. Um, I heard a a little testimony this week. It says, you never saw Jesus as he ministered take a, a person that could see and make them blind. No, you never saw him take a person that could walk and make them lame. No, when Jesus ministered, the blind could see, the lame then were able to walk. This is an example to us of the kind of ministry that happens when Jesus is on the scene. We go from glory to glory, strength to strength. He'll take things that are broken and fix them. If we'll face it, he'll fix it. That is his nature. And so we have people today that have kept showing up, that are making a decision that they want to walk towards Jesus and and have turned from some things and are pursuing him. So we're going to celebrate that through baptism. We talked last week about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he? There's a Bible story where it talks about the little wee little, little man. But it said Zacchaeus didn't wake up one day and say, I got to fix my whole life today. No, Zacchaeus woke up and said, I heard there's this Jesus coming to town. I got to go see about Jesus. He made a decision. Then he got into where Jesus was and he couldn't see Jesus because the crowds were so abundant. So Zacchaeus made another decision. I'm going to climb up in a tree so I can see Jesus. Second decision. Then Jesus engaged Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, come on down here. Zacchaeus said, I'm going to come on down and connect with Jesus. And then Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house. And Zacchaeus said, come to my house. And there's multiple little decisions. And by the end of the day, Zacchaeus was a rich man. And he had done a lot of 
bad things to people, taking a lot of money. By the end of the day, it said that Zacchaeus had an awareness that he was wrong. He told Jesus, I got to pay back all those people I wronged. And salvation came to his house because he made multiple decisions in a day that led him to freedom and restoration. And God is leading that in our lives. He's saying, don't do that. Go here. And as you make those decisions towards Jesus, he'll build a radical life based on not these grand decisions. We think, oh, it's just this one big thing I decided. Governing your little daily decisions leads to the most radical life. So we talked about that last week. My son asked me, asked our assistant yesterday, I think it was, he was asking about how we were going to have a bouncy house here at church today. He said, I heard we get to have a bouncy house because people are getting vapatized. <laughs> so if you didn't know, you're getting vapatized today. I don't know what that is, but you're going to like it. <laughs> but we have a bouncy house for the kids and some people getting vapatized. Jesus commanded that those who believe that open themselves to him as savior, he commanded them to be baptized in water. It says, repent and be baptized. It says in the book of Mark, those that believe and are baptized shall be saved. Matthew 28 says this in the Passion Translation, verse 19. Then Jesus came close to them and said, all authority of the universe has been given to me. Now, wherever you go, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's a commandment. As soon as you believe in Jesus, it says, be baptized. We believe this expression of union with Christ, his death, his burial, and his resurrection happens by being immersed in water. The clearest evidence for this is in Romans. It describes the act of baptism, being um, buried, so that's why we say under the water, fully immersed, and resurrected from the dead. This is most naturally understood to mean that you are buried under the water and then come out from the water to signify rising from the grave. Many people in this room have accepted Christ and been baptized. I see some faces. We had another one last summer. A lot of those people are still pursuing God, walking with him, turning from the way solid in their faith, faith in the Lord by being baptized and walking towards Jesus. Baptism, number one, is an act of obedience. Some of the last words Jesus spoke to his disciples were the threefold instruction I just read. Make disciples, baptize those who believe, and teach them his commands. If for no other reason, we baptize because Jesus told us to. I heard this little story of a television crew that came to this town in Florida that had been ravaged by a hurricane. The television crew was on assignment and there was only one house still standing. And the television anchor guy went up to the guy that owned this one home that was still standing amid destruction and debris everywhere. One house stood on its foundation. The owner was cleaning up the yard when a reporter approached him. Sir, why is your house the only one still standing? Asked the reporter. How did you manage to escape the severe damage of the hurricane? The man says, I built this house by myself. The man replied, I also built it according to the Florida State Building Code. When the code called for two by six roof trusses, I used 
two by six roof trusses. I was told that a house built according to code could withstand a hurricane. I did it and it did. I suppose no one else around here followed the code. (laughs) Obedience, code, instruction as followers of Christ is is a must. Matthew says it. We must do it. Jesus said we should teach new believers to observe everything I commanded you. Baptism is an act of obedience, both for the new believer and the church to participate. We baptize because we desire to obey Christ's command. We want to build according to code. Amen. I want, if he says put two by six roof trusses, well, I'm going to do it. I'm kind of a rule follower. I tend to go the speed limit. Any other, where's my people at? I feel a, <laughs> we need to start a rock group. Just the rule follower. You know, that's how I'm wired up. Lord, what does your word say? Does it say this? And then that's going to, I'm not trying to write my own formula or own code. He's written his word as instruction to us. So we could build this house, our literal temple, our families, our lives to withstand the stuff that could come your way. You ever met someone that's just unshakable in trials and tribulations because they're living the word of God? People are trying to find another formula. I want peace. And I heard if I do this, I could get to some peace. I'm telling you, Jesus is real. His ways are the best ways. You can try. I've tried. I've searched high and low. And I'm telling you what, there is no peace like the peace of Jesus. There is nothing like his presence and doing life with him. And even when it's hard, obeying his ways, doing it his way, not thinking, let me reinvent the wheel. Let me do it. Maybe I tweak that a little bit. His word is written. You want to know the will of God? You get in the word of God. He's made it plain. We're just not satisfied or we think it's hard. Listen to this guy. I built it according to code. Because that's what it said. It said it could withstand a hurricane if I did it this way. Same with our lives. We're obedient to the word of God. So baptism is an act of obedience. Baptism is a display. We heard people say baptism is an outward, you know, display of an inward change or something. You've heard those terms before. Essentially, the act of baptism being displayed is the work of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So we might keep you guys down for three days. How's that sound? We got to be biblical here. We're just going to hold you under. Some of you, I'm like, I'm going a few times. Got to clean you up. So no, we're not keeping you down for three days. We'll, We'll let you come back up. But it symbolizes his death, burial, and resurrection. And it declares in Romans 6, or have you forgotten that all of us who are immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with him with his death? Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we are co-buried and entombed with him. So that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected so that we could be empowered to walk in freshness of life. This is baptism. It's a display. Sin's reign is over. 
You have been given strength and power and authority to overcome. The Greek term baptizo is where we get the root word baptism from. It's used in the first century to describe dipping cloth into dye. So they would have vats of dye. It was like a term used in the the dye industry, I guess you could say. So there would be a vat of dye, different colors. There'd be a red vat or a blue vat, and you would dip the cloth into the dye, or it means to be immersed or dipped. You would dip the cloth, and then it would come out bearing the color that it went into. So it's it's used in ancient writings of vessels, also ships that were cleansed by sinking. I know that sounds crazy, but the word is used of ships that sink. Um, the baptizo word was especially prominent in the dye industry and cloth would be dipped or immersed. The material would be baptized in dye was the term. When the cloth was removed from the vat of dye, it had a distinct and new appearance, just like us. It's all symbolic. It was identified in a new way. It was now identified with the color of the dye that it went into. Blue cloth would come out blue from a blue vat, and the cloth was identified by its new color. The word baptized signifies an identification now with this new color that it now portrays. Christians who are baptized or immersed become identified with Jesus, his, Jesus Christ and his followers And this is evidenced by the formula Jesus gave his disciples, baptize them in the name. So, you know, a name identifies you. So we're going to now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's your new identity. Now you've been named. Now this is your family. In ancient times, a person's name was associated with their attributes and character. To be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit means to become identified with the triune God who has revealed himself by his spirit in the person of Jesus Christ. This is so powerful. You know, sometimes church just kind of breezes over this reality. Baptism can be something we just tack on to the end of a service. But this is powerful. It says when Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water. It says the heavens were parted. Um, he had power of the Holy Spirit. And then, and then the Father called him my beloved son. I'm telling you, this is powerful stuff. It just takes faith to say, this is what's going to happen for me. And I've made this decision that I'm going to walk in this obedient step. And it's so powerful. We don't want to just breeze past this. This is significant. The word baptizo or bapto, that we're first time we hear it used, um, is in 2 Kings 5.14. It's describing, um, this is an epic story. Um, Naaman was a military commander. Very, very strong, very rich military commander. And it says we come on the scene in this story, and he's sick in his body. And by the time we get into the, the story in 2 Kings, he's really progressed to a place of where he's really troubled and he finds out that he has leprosy in his body. And this guy is rich. He's got resources that, that would blow our minds, but none of his wealth can help him in his health crisis. So he is searching. He is saying, can someone help me? He's tried everything he knew to do. And it talks about in Second Kings that he had a maidservant in his house, a, a young girl that essentially had been taken from her family and made to work in his house. And this young maidservant said to her master, Naaman, essentially, I know a prophet 
that could heal you. And so he's desperate by this point. So here's this powerless little girl, young woman, giving this authoritative, powerful military commander advice. If you could find this prophet, he can heal you. So Naaman, at the end of his rope, says, I'm going to do this. So Naaman says to the king of Aram, which is where he was, the military commander, can you write a letter to the king of Israel and essentially tell him, I'm desperate. Would you help me? I need healing. And so they write this letter. The command, the king of Aram writes a letter to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel gets this letter. And he's like, kind of like, bro, I could do anything but cure a disease. Like, that's not in my power. And the, the king is anxious. He's overwhelmed. He doesn't know how to help. And the prophet Elijah gets word of the king's anxiety about this illness going on with this military commander. The king of Israel even is afraid. What are they? Are they trying to set me up that if I can't, you know, cure this guy, that they're going to attack us? And is this some kind of a setup? So there's all this confusion and stuff going on. But turns out, I'm just going to read it because the Bible is so good. These stories are in there. I cried. I'm like that person. I get in the word of God and I'm like, you're so good. Look what you're doing. And and I just cried. And, and people are like, what are you? It's, this guy's leprosy. What is this all about? But he's, he's needing an answer. And he's not finding the answer for his affliction. You ever been with people in a health crisis? And, and it's, it's a new way of living when your health is compromised and you're concerned. And I'm telling you, and, and, and this story is so precious. But when Elijah, the prophet, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. The king was so anxious, thinking, I'm not going to be able to heal this guy. He tore his clothes. Elijah sent a note to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Let this guy come now to me that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman is this like higher up military guy. So he shows up at Elijah's house, like with his entourage, he's got like chariots and horses. It even says earlier on in the scripture that he went there taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothes. That's a smart man. I read that that amount of money he brought would be equivalent to $1.2 million that he brought with him. Talk about desperate. Talk about like, can I come? I'm going to bring a million dollars for this answer because my body is ravaged. So he's a, he's a, he's a big dude. He's a wealthy man. He shows up to Elijah's house, you know, kind of like agitated, kind of a little entitled, like, I'm here and I need a fix. And where's this Elijah guy? And Elijah doesn't even come out of the house to meet him. He sends his servant out. Go tell him. Essentially, let's read what it says. Um, Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times. This is the bapto. This is the washing in water. Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. And Naaman gets mad. He's like upset. It says, But Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought that he would come out. He'd come and greet me and call upon the name of the Lord, his God, and wave his hand over me over the place and cure my leprosy. Are not Abana and Fafar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all of the waters of Israel? He's telling him, you go wash in the Jordan River. And this guy's saying, I got better water in my, and we do that. 
We are like Naaman. God is saying, you will follow me. You be baptized. And we're like, can I do it my way and still get what you're trying to bring to me? And look at this guy's entitled attitude. I want it, but, and we we're entitled like that. I had to confess even this week, Lord, show me where I'm entitled. Show, I mean, that sounds like, but we want to live that way. We, I say all the time, Lord, search me out. Search my heart. Search me all over. See if there be. Search me and know me. See if there be any offensive way in me. Am I being like Naaman? Lord, can't you come out and just wave your hand and help us with our bills? Don't you see? And God's like, I've got that. Obey me here. I'm telling you to do something here. Faith, faith, faith to do what I've told you to do. And then you watch. He he don't wave your hand at Jesus like that. This is our holy God. We come reverent to him, doing it his way, shedding ourselves. The Bible is so true about this. Anyway, so Naaman, he's there. He's saying, can't you just wave your hand? Can't I wash in the water of my own country? We got good water over there. So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came. Good thing for servants and people who are sensible. And they said to him, but his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Come on, will you not do it? And we have people like that in our life. You heard what God said. Come on, you got to do it his way. He's calling you to something. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Do it his way. Stop being a knucklehead, a quack, you know, and you just want to hit people sometimes. Don't hit them. Turn the other cheek because we live an opposite life, right? So he turned and went away in a rage, but his servants came near. My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So Naaman, come into his senses, went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. According to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. Oh, and he was clean. Say that with me. And he was clean. The word of God is true. He doesn't put this in here to take us on some rabbit trail. He's trying to work something in your life. Obey him. Keep showing up. Do what he says. Come on. I'm about to feel some victory in the house of God. Woo! I'm telling you, and this is a precious day. In the church right now, we are in extraordinary days and God is drawing you to himself. I have never felt the presence of God drawing me into himself and obedience and radical risk and surrender. I wake up every day, I go, I'm dead. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I was bought at a price, so have your way. So when we baptize people today, we're essentially saying we're dead. And we're raised to new life in Christ. It's his life living in me and flowing through me. Praise God. Praise God. Need water. Yes. Praise God. A baptism is an obedient step to a whole life. We're all trying to get to the place of freedom and peace. And he has given us steps to wholeness. And many of you are making that step today. Like Naaman, it may seem foolish 
our, our, our entitlement gets in the way. It keeps us from humbly obeying. It's like you imagine if the prophet had told you, Naaman, to do something great, to earn this, give a million dollars, that'd almost be easier for Naaman and the way he was wired up. Wash, jump seven times in the Jordan River and I'll be clean. It almost seemed foolish to this rich, brilliant man. And it can seem that way to people sometimes. Can't, isn't there more I have to do? People want to add on and make it more difficult than he, he makes it. Come to Jesus, hear his sayings and do them. Okay? Simple. The servants of Naaman used a brilliantly logical approach. If Elijah had asked Naaman to sacrifice a hundred or a thousand animals to God of Israel, Naaman would have done that immediately, but he warred against the simple instructions. Yet because his request was easy to do and it was humbling, it was humbling. And that's sometimes where we get tripped up. I'm excited for a new birth today. I'm excited for a new life today. I'm excited. I'm delighted and overjoyed to see those of you being baptized to show and tell. Remember when we were little and you had show and tell at school? We're going to show and tell today that God is moving in our lives. The Bible says in closing in Psalm 149.4, for the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. So it's going to be a victorious morning. Um, John, could you come? We're just going to just thank the Lord and we're just going to close out. And I'm going to give some simple instructions of our next steps for baptism this morning that will make it clear. Please, no one, no one leave. We want you to stick around and watch this. We have lunch for everyone, but I, I want us all to gather out there and I want us to gather close, um, not spread out, but I want us to gather around and, and be close as we see people go into the waters of baptism and, and, and see their faces and, and huddle up so we can enjoy this moment together. We are going to ask that if you have kiddos, that you pick your kiddos up from kids church and then we're going to all be together out there on the patio and then we have a bounce house for the kids Um, but would you bow your heads so we can pray presence of the living God and come fall afresh on us Jesus you're so wonderful I just kept telling you this week I want you I want more of you I want more of you in my life I want to be more like you. I want to live like you. So, Father, we thank you for such a glorious morning for many to display that they have decided to follow Jesus and to go and obey this commandment to be baptized in water. We know this is the beginning of you just speaking your delight over them and steps of of how you're going to lead them to victory. I pray and prophesy over every person being baptized here this morning that victory is coming to you, overcoming power, that there are things that are going to wash off of you in the waters of baptism by his power that you're not going to know how did that fear or that bondage just just go just like that oh he is able won't he do it for you this morning the love of the father is here right now he's just loving our hearts open your heart up right now and just say we want you Lord just come touch our hearts thank you